Welcome to the Rufus Chambers Podcast. Our objective is very simple, to provide you with practical biblical teaching and dialogue that you can apply to your everyday life. We appreciate you tuning in, and our hope is that you will receive something that will empower, encourage, and educate you today. Let's dive into today's discussion. Well, today, well, today, we are talking about the gospel according to X. And if you're not aware, the X is for DMX or Earl Simmons, a prolific rapper, artist, actor, icon that recently went to be with the Lord. Um, DMX was, was very profound in the 90s and uh, into the 2000s. And one thing about his life, he was always vocal about having a relationship with God, very vocal about Jesus Christ being his Lord and Savior. And today we're going to look at his life as a case study and talk about the gospel, talk about the gospel. You know, um, some of the research that I have been doing has tried to look at the music of the, of the 80s and 90s and articulate its influence on mainstream culture. Illustrate uh, the influence on all of our lives. And you know what, I'm born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s and 90s, so music at one time had a very profound impact on my life. I could honestly say that I feel like I grew up with hip hop. You know, I grew up, I grew up when actually we would call it rap and not hip hop. I remember having my first cassette or, 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 or record, vinyl record and eventually CD of some of my favorite artists. And when I was living in that day and age, it's as if the music began to really consume our lives, me and my friends' lives. That music became the meditation of our hearts. That music became some of the things that we would aspire to accomplish or aspire to obtain, if you will. So it wasn't just music, but there was a momentum, there was a thrust, there was a growth that came with the spread of the music. Not only the music, but the culture that surrounded it. We saw the culture of hip hop and the culture of music begin to permeate different facets of society. And again, it's as if this little music genre left our little neighborhoods and our little urban blocks and urban ghettos and begin to cross over into foreign countries with foreign languages and foreign tongues. It's in that movement that we see our protagonist for today, DMX, arise. But before I talk about DMX, I want to read a quote. And this quote is from Dr. Daniel White Hodge. He's the author of a book called The Soul of Hip Hop. The Soul of Hip Hop. He makes a very interesting statement about music, hip hop, 
and some of the religious themes that we find in the music. Pay attention here. It says, hip hop provides a contextualized and relevant form of religious discourse, meaning an identity for urban youth and others who are listeners. I'm gonna read that one more time. Hip hop provides a contextualized and relevant form of religious discourse, meaning an identity for urban youth and others who are listeners. In other words, as you dive into, watch this, the message, as you dive into the lives of the messengers, what Dr. Hodge is saying is that you will find relevant and contextualized discourse regarding religion. Very interesting. Last week in the first installment of this message, we talked about um, messengers, we talked about their message, we talked about their context, and we talked about um, their resistance. We talked about those four things, and last week, you know, we had a couple of, of, of you know, people that we were dealing with, and today we're really going to look at the life of DMX and looking at it within those same filters, you know, and, and it's funny, you know, some church people and some uh, religious conservative Christian people were very critical of some Christians just acknowledging the death of DMX. I found it very interesting. It was as if these religious pundits were upset that people would pause and acknowledge a man that influenced a, a, a lot of culture. A flawed man who was always honest and transparent about his flaws and about his struggles. You know, so I realize us talking about DMX in a, in a, in a sacred space is taboo for some people. But we have to understand that this gospel message that we're preaching, it's not just for us and ourselves. The gospel of Jesus Christ really needs to begin to go out of the proverbial four walls of the church and begin to touch people right where they are at. I actually watched a, a part, of the, part of the service Yesterday, they had a big memorial serving at the Barclay Arena, I believe. Thousands of people came out to acknowledge and honor him. And the part that I watched, it was such a fusion of culture. Because in the midst of them playing his music that had all of the profanity, all of the sexually provocative lyrics, all of the glorification of violence, a choir began to sing. A choir began to minister. And as they ministered, hearts were touched. Minds were touched. Souls were touched. So we saw this convergence. And that is where I believe God can do some work, is in the convergence. 
The Apostle Paul tells us that we need to become all things to all men so that we can gain some. And what we're doing today, we're using his life to understand what the, watch this, what the gospel looked like on him. And as we look at what the gospel looked like on him, my question to you directly is, what does the gospel look like on you? So that would be my question to the same preachers that were so vocal and critical about anybody acknowledging a heathen like DMX. My question to that same pastor would be, sir, ma'am, what does the gospel look like on you behind closed doors? What does the, the, the redeeming message of the cross look like when you stick the key in the door and when you address your family? How you talk to your leaders, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your children, because that is what I'm interested in. Because the thing about a person like DMX, he was unashamed in sharing his struggle and his journey. So before we discount him and his contribution and his reach, let's zoom in and try and understand briefly this gospel according to X. And again, I'm saying the gospel according to X because I'm saying what did the gospel look like on him? Just like we need to ask ourselves, what does the gospel look like on you? You got it? Amen and praise the Lord. Just a little background on DMX. You know, DMX, um, prolific artist, like I said, you know, he's a, he's a native of New York. I believe Yonkers was like where he really kind of came up. And, you know, he had a very challenging life, very challenging life. Uh, my wife and I, we actually read his biography, and um, that biography is entitled Earl. And it was interesting, that biography was published as he was still climbing in his success. And that biography was raw, it was transparent, but it detailed so much of his challenge, so much of his struggle, and the interesting part of that, it spoke to, back to what Dr. Hodge said, it spoke to his context. It spoke to what his life was. He detailed accounts of you know, being in a juvenile hall and YA, being in group homes, being in violent uh, fights, you know, going to jail, doing drugs, stealing, robbing. I mean, he dealt with child abuse issues. He dealt with, uh, he detailed, uh, you know, the lack of having uh, a father in his home, purchase, uh, so to say. He began to lay out all of this in his book. And my wife and I, we read the book, you know, I guess that was almost 20 years ago. But again, that book never left me. Be, and, and, and in that, you see a troubled man having a relationship with God. 
Say what you want. You know, again, the, the religious pundits, you could try and write a man off and say that he's not saved or he's a heathen. But when you peek into a man's soul and peek into a man's heart and peek into a man's mind, you begin to hear that person wrestle and vacillate with their life and their God. And it's a it's a very interesting journey. Very interesting journey. You know, as 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 we um, you know, and, and I'll never forget, you know, the first time I heard DMX or one of the first times I heard DMX, I was in college. I was an undergrad and, you know, his first album dropped and it just it was getting attention. And we were in this little white town in central California and they put his record on and, and, and just the place just erupted, you know, and, and, and it was either, you know, where my dog's at or, or uh, the Rough Rider anthem. I don't remember which one, but I just remember the response of the people, football players, everybody was just going nuts because it created an energy. It, it created a swagger. It, it created an edge. And as you listen to him, and as you listen to some other musical artists in that day and era, it was as if their voices became to amplify our communities. And if we had more time, we could actually talk about how in the midst of that explosion of music, did the church lose a whole generation? We could have that conversation separately, but it's as if these voices began to trumpet on the behalf of a people in a community. And again, it was, it was just an absolute exp explosion. On his second album, there's a very um, popular song. And, and, it, and it was a song that was subdued, it, it was reflective, and the song was, was called Slippin'. And this is an excerpt from Slippin'. He says, Ayo, I'm slipping. I'm falling, I can't get up. Ayo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I gots to get up. Get me back on my feet so I can tear stuff up. And, and again, I know I'm just giving you a snippet, but in that passage, you hear about falling and being unable to get up. You hear about, watch this, falling and encouraging yourself to get up. And then in that next bar, it talks about, I have to go get up so I can do some damage, right? And, and, and if you look at, and, and, and again, if I use my spiritual imagination, I'm again, I'm reminded of what we read in Proverbs 24. A righteous man falls seven time and what and riseth again i'm reminded of david encouraging himself in the lord in other words i know i've done this but i just i got to get up so again that's why dr hodge is talking about as you begin to peek into the lyrics as you begin to dive into the heart of some of these artists, you're actually hearing a devotion, if you will. And DMX was actually an artist where he would literally have prayers on his album. So he could be 
in one song talk about cutting somebody up and shooting somebody and you know blah 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 but then in the next song he's literally having a prayer you know he he and, and i'm not talking about a now let me down to sleep prayer he's having a prayer in which he's communicating with god so again I just share that to, to just kind of underscore why I'm talking about the gospel of DMX, or in other words, what the gospel looked like on his life. The gospel on his life looked a little different on my life, because let's talk about it real quick here. We, we can all agree that the gospel is flawless. We can agree that the gospel is priceless. The gospel is perfect, is full of splendor, is full of majesty, is full of power, is full of redemption, is full of salvation. But when you take that perfect message and put it on my flawed flesh, guess what? It's going to be a tension. It, it, it's going to be a conflict. Because in my flawed nature, I'm embracing a flawless message. Y'all need to may need to tweet that. That's where the tension is. Because again, as we get exposed and as we encounter this message that has all of its redeeming power and redeeming qualities, it's going against the grain of your nature. As we look at the life of Earl Simmons, we saw this tension vacillate. And that's the thing. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to get into some, some other stuff here. But the thing about looking at his life, there was a tension that began. There was a struggle that began and there was a struggle that continued. There was a struggle that began at a formative young age. There was a struggle that continued as a preteen. There was a struggle that grew as a, as a high schooler, as a teenager, as, even as a, as a young man. And then there was a struggle that's now been chronicled all out in public of details his struggle, detail the drug rehabilitation, Detailing all of these things that it would be easy for us to snub our nose at, but realize that his life, watch this, is still contending with the gospel. That's the beautiful part of it. And, and, and I hope that's encouragement for somebody. Because if you're listening to me and you're under the sound of my voice, you still have time to walk by faith and not by sight. You still have time to contend and embrace and watch this and personify the gospel in your way. You got it? That gospel can get on you in its own unique, authentic way. And my prayer and hope is that, again, like Ephesians 4 will say, that we will come to a maturation or a perfection, if you will. That, the, that, that, that again, those fivefold ministry gifts that are imparting unto us and, and pouring into us at different stages of our life, it will turn into a mature body or us being a mature member, a perfected member. Many of us can look at this brother Earl and know that 
guess what? He was not perfected, but he was yet on his journey. And I give him credit for giving God the glory in the midst of everything that was going on. I, 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 I just, I, 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 I appreciate that testimony. Because guess what? There's a nation of folks out there that can't do church because they think that we're all hypocrites. Let's just talk about it. Let, let's go ahead and be real. Not only do they think we're hypocrites, but they think that they don't have a place amongst this beloved community. And what we have to realize is that we have a job to do in reaching them where they are. I was having a conversation with somebody a few days ago. And we were talking about, matter of fact, it was on Friday. We were talking about music and trying to create a sphere of influence, you know, that's promoting who we are as individuals. And what I told him, I said, man, back in the day when I was just first getting into Christ, I did try and insulate myself because I wasn't mature enough to engage with certain things and certain people that may cause me to backslide. But I said, now I'm good. In other words, I'm secure enough in myself and in my God that I'm in the presence of people that may be drinking or in the presence of people that may be smoking. It doesn't threaten me. And I realize that God is like, Rufus, you have access to that person. You can minister to that person right where they're at. And, uh, and that's what, again, being the hands and feet of Jesus is all about. You know, Jesus was criticized. Watch this for hanging out with sinners for hanging out with, with, with tax collectors. All of the people that had been programmed into the mind of the saints that they were absolutely no good. You got it? So again, some of us need to, again, wake up to who we are and to what we've been called to do. If everybody in your immediate circle is this staunch believer that is perfect, that is just redeemed and perfect and the cookie cutter life, I would say it's time to reach out and begin to mentor some folks that like our brother Earl are still trying to figure some stuff out. Right. Amen. OK. Um, again, as you can say, as you can see, this is this passionate topic for me. <laughs> but anyway, let me try and get to where I need to get to and then we'll get up out of here. Watch this. The gospel, according to X, presents a number of themes. It presents a number of themes. And I don't have time to get through all of the themes. So just write these down and somebody drop these in in the chat. I'm going to say four themes, four themes. The first theme that we see in looking at his life and then looking at scripture, and this, may, this isn't a cumulative list, this is just kind of what I initially came up with. The first theme is suffering. The first theme is suffering. We don't like to talk about that a lot in church, but that is a theme that we see in, in, in the gospel according to X. The second theme that we see in looking at the gospel according to X is a dual nature is a dual nature in, uh, uh, and, and also 
a double-mindedness. And we're going to use those terms interchangeably. I know they're a little different, but for the sake of this, four, this, this list of four, we see a dual nature and a double-mindedness. And again, we see that tension. That's that tension I'm talking about. The third theme we see is overcoming and being a conqueror. That's the third theme we see at looking, looking at his life. Him being, watch this, an overcomer and him being a conqueror. The fourth theme that we see is we see redemption. We see redemption. And, and, and when, I'm, when, I, when we look at these themes, y'all, and, 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 and sometimes I think this is where we kind of mess up as preachers. Sometimes, I, this is, and, and this is my personal belief, sometimes as preachers, we will think that we take this word, right, this inspired word of God, and, 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 and we put it on a person, and that person is just going to automatically personify this, this perfect word. And that's not the truth. The truth of the matter is, it, 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 it's really an inverse of that. And this is something one of my favorite communicators talked about. He said, you have two options. You can teach the Bible to people, or you can teach people the Bible. I'll say that again. You can teach the Bible to people. In other words, take the Bible and throw it on a person, or you can teach people the Bible. When we look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, I find it interesting that through his usage, watch this, of parables, he was trying to teach people the principles contained in scripture. He was trying to teach principles to people. But again, he was, that's why he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Again, he, he didn't just say, hey, get, let's get them scrolls out. Let's sit down and we about to go through this thing line upon line and precept upon precept. He said, no, come with me, go with me and I will show you. I, I will, I will show you and, and, and I will make you. And again, that, that's, that's what I believe is, is, is needed in this day and age so that we can reach somebody. Amen. But again, getting back to these four themes, and again, we don't have time to go through all of them. And I got a lot of scriptures that, um, that, that, that go with each theme. Okay. So let's talk about suffering. Let's talk about suffering because again, when we look at the life of DMX, Earl Simmons, I told you about his biography. There was a theme of, of suffering. I listened to uh, 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 a speech or, or a statement made by uh, Swiss Beats, one of his closest friends, and he mentioned suffering, and, and it really stuck with me. Because as I listen, watch this, as I listen to the cadence of his voice, of DMX's voice, as I listen to the, to the passion in which he delivered uh, uh, his, his lyrics, 
It was magnetic. It was powerful. But you got to realize where that power is, is birthed from. I believe in his case, it was birthed out. Watch this of a suffering. Let's look over here in Matthew 16, 24 here. So y'all don't think I'm just talking and not not in the word. Matthew 16 and 24. It says. This is Christ. He said, if any man will come come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In the Amplified, it says, if anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of and forget himself and his own interests and take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying also. You got it. So again, we see this theme of suffering. Of, 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 of suffering. And, when, and again, as we study the life of DMX, we see a suffering. So I'm just trying to paint these parallels that his life, it represented a great suffering. And here, watch this, watch this now. Christ is saying suffering or denying ourselves is part of the life that we are in. You got it? See, see again, we, we don't want to talk about that. We, we don't want to talk about. So again, we're willing to throw stones at a DMX that was suffering and I believe had a very heavy cross to carry. And guess what? Sometimes I think he had his cross and sometimes he, he dropped that cross. You got it? But I praise God that, gra that God's grace, watch this, is sufficient. But back to us, back to me and back to you now, Christ is saying that if we're following him, that means we're denying ourselves and that we're carrying a cross and that we are willing, watch this, to suffer for his sake. We're willing to suffer for his sake, in the midst of your life today, in the midst of the creature comforts of your life, with all of your food and all of your money and all of your technology and all your devices, what can you sacrifice for the sake of him? What are you willing to sacrifice? We're talking about suffering. Let's look over here at Hebrews real quick. And I wish I, I, wish I had time to really dive into this, y'all. But I, I'm just trying to give you a drop a couple nuggets on you. Hebrews 12, 7 and 8. This says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you are without chastisement, whereof are all partakers? Then you are bastards and not sons. Hebrews 12, 7 and 8. The writer of Hebrews makes a very prolific statement because the writer is talking about the chastisement is connected to watch this sonship. In other words, the chastisement is confirmation or validation of sonship. 
So let's look at the life of DMX and let's look at your life and let's, let's talk about the chastisement that we have endured. See, that's the thing. We could easily write the brother off and kick him out of the religious sanctuary, but can he be respected for his chastisement? Glory to God. Can he get some credit for the suffering and the chastisement that his father inflicted upon him? See, see, that's the thing. So, so again, sometimes in the church, we have to redefine su what success looks like in the kingdom. Is the successful person in the kingdom the one that's living on a hill in a castle with a Bentley Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce in the, in, in listening to Maybach music? Is, is that, is that the success? Or is it the one that's willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel? Is it the one that is willing to endure every pain, every thorn, every trial, every, every, every affliction, every matter of infirmity, and still willing to acknowledge God as their father, as Jesus, as their savior? Who, who is... Again, who, who, what's the barometer? What's the measurement of success? But what I, and, and you can say law on that, but what I'm saying today is that this man that we're talking about endured suffering. If we had time, we could talk about 2 Corinthians 12 and 7, where the Apostle Paul himself talked about that proverbial thorn in his flesh. That, that, that thorn that he could not get rid of with all the anointing, with all the Holy Ghost, with all the revelation, with all the church planning, with all the miracles. For whatever reason, that proverbial thorn was there. And he said, he was told that thy grace is sufficient. If we had time, we could go there, but we don't. So again, the theme that we're seeing from Brother Earl is great suffering. And in and, and a couple minutes now, and, and, I'm, and I'm about to close, but, but the second theme is this dual nature, this dual nature. And, and if we had time and, and the production team will put it on the screen, the, I want you to read James 1 and James 4 and Romans 7. Because in James, we see this Double-mindedness. We see this instability. That's what the Bible says. A double-minded way is unstable in all his ways. And, and again, when, when we listen to the gospel according to X, as we look at the gospel on X, we saw a double-mindedness. An indecision. Am I my past? Am I my context? Am I my struggle? Am I that first whatever? Am I, am I that? Am I my block? Or am I, another, or am I a new man? It is redemption enough to move me out of my upbringing and out of my last mistake and translate me and transport me into this new, watch this, 
beloved family. That's why the family is so important, y'all. If we had time, we could talk about it. The beloved family is so important because watch this. When you're snatching a person out of the dirt and out of the out of the ashes of their past and we're and they're being put into the 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 brethren they don't need to find condemnation they don't need to find judgment they need to find a family that's why the bible said he didn't leave us as orphans y'all got to hear me now See, God will take a man or take a woman out of this situation. And then he may put him or her next to your judgmental, self-righteous, evil self. And that, and that beautiful flower can't grow there. I've heard people say like, wow, you know, I, I, th there was a better code in the streets. There was more loyalty in the streets. There was more loyalty and code inside incarceration than these crazy folks off up in this church. And that's why I believe, again, God has allowed us to reset the church, the local church, the community, because there were some things out of order. And I pray that they're now getting in order as we're coming back together. And I'm encouraging each and every one of you. Don't be the person that pushes the person that is in need of the gospel away from the gospel. Don't let your bitterness, don't let your resentment, don't let your own self mess push people away. That's why, watch this, that's why Jesus said, suffer not the little children to come unto me. In other words, don't discourage babes from getting to the gospel. Don't discourage babes that are in need of milk to getting to the Savior. We should be, we should be hand delivering them to that redemption. But anyway, double-mindedness. And again, I'm out of time, but in, in, in my closing, in, in my closing, in my closing, the Apostle Paul in, in, in Romans, the seventh chapter, he has a very interesting discussion. Romans 7, 14 through uh, 24. Because it's in that discussion, it seems as though Paul is waking up or acknowledging the struggle He's, he's talking about this dual nature that all of us have. Because it's in that passage, you know, that he talks about, I keep doing that which I hate. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I keep, I, he said, what I hate, I do. And this passage resonated me, with me when I thought about, you know, Brother Earl here. Because you have this dual nature. You have a spirit that's been redeemed, that's been born again. But then you have this flesh that needs to be crucified on a daily basis. And all of us know some days that flesh ain't crucified. And that flesh will begin to act a fool. So again, as you zoom into Romans 
this passage in chapter 7, you see the Apostle Paul articulate the struggle. Somebody in the comments say the struggle. You see the Apostle Paul talk about, oh, wretched man that I am. I find it interesting. He, and, and again, this is a translation now. This is the King James I'm looking at. And I got another translation here because, you know, some people are very particular about translations and Hebrew and Greek and whatnot. But what I'm reading right now, he says, wretched man, verse 24, that I am. It doesn't say wretched man that I was. In other words, it didn't say that it was a past tense in this translation. In other words, Paul says the struggle is what I'm living today. And that struggle is what was talked about over there in 2 Corinthians when he was talking about that thorn in the flesh. Verse 25, though, but he says, I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the but with the flesh, the law of sin. In other words, he was resolving and reconciling his struggle. And he was resolving and reconciling his struggle in God through Christ. See, that's what we have to understand. And we praise God for, for our brother Earl's life, his testimony, and the clues and the themes that are encouraging us today. And that would be that in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of, watch this, our double nature, our dual nature, and our double-minded yet, that God has still made us more than conquerors. That God has still made us more than an overcomer. That God has still redeemed us. That he's redeemed us through the finished work of the cross. I don't care where you're listening from now. I encourage you to bring your struggle to this virtual altar. I encourage you to bring your double-mindedness to the altar. You know, where your mind, again, you want to walk in love, but you think revenge. Come on, somebody. You, 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 uh, <laughs> you, you, you want, you want abundance, but you always think lack and scarcity. You got it? This double mindedness. I want you to bring that to this virtual altar today. You may be listening and you may have never, ever, ever acknowledged and received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. This is your day to do so. I'm going to share a prayer with you. And all you have to do is recite it with me. And when you get finished praying the prayer, we believe by faith that you have been born again. That you are now, watch this, in that beloved community. And on behalf of the Bridge community, we commit and we pledge to walk in love with you in your journey.
We meet every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. for a digital Bible study. We hop on Zoom and we hop in there and we talk and pray and love on one another. And then we come together Saturday morning for corporate prayer. We get on the phone and we going around the call, seeing how everybody doing it. We pray together and then we get on with our Saturdays. What I'm saying is that we commit to walk with you in love in this new journey that you're believing. So if this is your very first time and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do so right now. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am a sinner. I repent and turn away from my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus the Christ is Lord. I believe that Jesus lived, died, and was raised from the dead for my salvation. Say with me, I receive my salvation and all of its benefits now. Say with me, Lord, thank you for saving me this day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Rufus Chambers podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and connect with us on all social media platforms.